We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Just uh, as Henry was saying, there's a few of us that are going out to Cambodia. We leave tomorrow. We'll be there for a week. And so we really do covet your prayers. I think that so much of what we do as a church, the only reason we're able to stay afloat and even fly at times is because of your prayers. And so I want to thank you. And a lot of times the kids are the ones that pray as well. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you to... uh, um, ask them to pray for us whenever we're desperate, and uh, and we want the Lord to do a good work. Uh, Rich Aguilar is going. Uh, Gabriel, um, you know, his daughter's a missionary over there in Cambodia. He's going. A couple of his friends who are praying to be missionaries uh, are going, and then I get to join them. And then Robert Montanez, who oversees missions. And so we're going to go. We're going to try to encourage our missionaries. We're going to spend some time at Water of Life and the Hope Orphanage. And also try to establish some ties with other ministries while we're there. And so, um, you know, let's pray that the Lord does a good work, not only for us, but also pray for our families that are left behind. Um, Usually when we're gone, um, my wife, I I think she keeps busy. She has all these events and things going on. And part of me is like, man, that's not right. You know, you're doing all these things while I'm gone. You're having fun while I'm gone. But she says that it's because... uh, she misses me, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, I do miss her, though, while we're gone. And so we, all wanna, we always want to pray that the Lord would um, keep them safe. But today we're going to be starting a new book. And it's so cool. I've never been able to say this today. We're going to finish a new book. So we get to start and finish at the same time. We're going to be in the book of Philemon, if you'd like to turn there with me. And we're going to see the greeting and the conclusion, of course. But in between, we're going to see how Paul sees the good. And then how Paul wants the good, and then how Paul does the good. And we're going to see all along in studying this tremendous letter that Paul is actually a picture of Jesus Christ. And so we read in verse 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, And to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we have the greeting. We see the letter is uh, from Paul and and Timothy. And, you know, since it's in the Bible, who's it really from? It's from God, right? And I pray that we would ultimately know that, believe that, and receive this as God's word. But notice there in verse 1 that Paul identifies himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And so, you know, one of the things about Paul that's so cool I think we should learn from is that in all reality, it didn't matter if he was behind the bars at the bottom of a Roman dungeon. It didn't matter if he was sailing the seven seas or out in the open fields of the great outdoors. Paul was always a prisoner. He was always a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You know, he wasn't free to do his own will, no matter what or where or when or why. Paul was only freed up to do the will of Christ Jesus. As he said in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, when he was heading to Jerusalem, he said, I'm bound. I'm bound in the Spirit. And that's a beautiful place to live your life. I pray that we would all be there. You know, not my will, Lord, 
I'm your prisoner. I'm bound in the Spirit to discover your will. Uh, a lot of times that's where we fall short. We're just kind of living life. We're not really praying and in the Word and in fellowship with God. So we can't discover His will. Therefore, we can't even do His will. I want to encourage you to discover God's will for your life. And then as a prisoner, just, you know, you just do that will. It's so important. That's why Paul was. You know, he was at this point, you know, physically, literally locked up in a Roman jail. Uh, most commentators believe this was somewhere around A.D. 60 that this letter to Philemon is to be categorized as a prison epistle written about the same time as Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, uh, penned from prison. But we're going to see as we go through this that even though it was there in these difficult days of incarceration, God was working. God's always working. And I know some of us here, we go through tremendous trials. I really pray that you would be encouraged to know because usually the way it works is when you're in the most difficult times is when God is doing the deepest work. But you have to pay attention and you have to draw near to the Lord in those times. I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand, but I'm sure that many of you here, you're, you're going through trials. You know, James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. And so, you need to go through the hard times in your heart. I want to encourage you, even though I know it's difficult sometimes, to rejoice in that. Because God is working a work in your life that you know would never otherwise be possible. And usually, most of that work is this, that He wants you to know how much He loves you and how He alone is sufficient. We can't lean on the arm of man or the arm of the flesh. We can't go to Egypt any longer. God is trying to cultivate a people who would trust in Him. And so here's Paul. He's a prisoner. But man, good things are happening. God is working. Paul was part of that work. Paul was writing letters that were inspired by God. Paul was loving and leading people to God which is a large part of what this little letter is about. And we're going to see that. And so, you know, even though it mentions Timothy, it's primarily we're going to see a letter between Paul and Philemon. Again, he identifies the recipients there in verse 1. Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. He also mentions uh, Aphia and Archippu or Archippus, who are fellow soldiers. And just writing to the church in general. Here we see Philemon is seen as a beloved friend. Uh, In the Greek language, it's just the beloved. He's seen as somebody that Paul really loves. He's seen as a fellow laborer. And so this gentleman, Philemon, was somewhere near and dear to Paul, special to him. And somewhere along the line, what had happened was Paul was used by God to lead him to the Lord. And then along those lines, Philemon even served side by side with Paul. And so he's a special man, this Philemon, and we'll learn more about him as we go through. Uh, He also mentions Aphia. Most people believe Aphia was Philemon's wife. And he also mentions Archippus. And a lot of people believe that Archippus was Philemon's son, who was maybe the pastor of of the church there. And we believe more than likely that this is in the area of Colossae. And so when you look at this, we know um, these are the things we believe. We're not really sure about Aphia and Archippus. 
Uh, we do know, according to Colossians 4, verse 17, that Paul wrote to the church there, and he mentions this man, and he said to him, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And so he was definitely a minister there in that house, church. And so Paul and Timothy mention these three as recipients of the letter, but we're going to see as we go through here that it's primarily a very personal letter between Paul and Philemon. And notice the greeting there in verse 3. You know, you might see it typical, but he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we always go through these greetings, you know, I want to encourage you. You know, you might see it as a typical greeting back in the day, you know, the grace and the peace for both Gentile and Jew, uh, the charis and the shalom. But how huge these things are in our life, huh? The grace that God wants to give us and the peace He wants to provide. And as I mentioned last time, isn't it cool that's the way they said hi to each other? You know, we say hi. It's like, what does that mean, you know? They say grace. You know, we say bye. We don't even say goodbye anymore, you know? We say bye. They say peace. Maybe some of you here used to say peace, huh? Maybe in the days, man. We should go back to that. I, I like that when there's, when there's meaning there. You know, but for us, it's important to know what grace and peace are. You know, the, the word grace is speaking of God's unmerited, unearned favor. When you're a Christian and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, now you receive the rewards that are due Him. It's God's reward at Christ's expense. If you're here today and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, then you're not walking in Graceland. And you need to do that. You need to give your life to Christ so that you won't get what you deserve. What we deserve is hell. But when we come to Christ, He'll give you heaven. But you have to come to Christ. And then you experience grace. Because the Bible says that we're saved by grace. And so He's sharing that important message. And then when we get that grace in our life, it's so cool. Then we have peace with God. And then as we grow as Christians and we're learning to stay focused on the Lord and not the storms, not ourselves, not the world, not anyone else. When we focus on the Lord, then you will have the peace of God. And I like the way even in the greeting we're reminded of these things. But notice here um, in verse 4, we see how Paul sees the good. And verse 4, he says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in my chains. We see here beginning in verse 4, something about Paul. If you'll notice and you read his letters, even to the Corinthian church, he always had something good to say. You know, even though they were a kind of a carnal church, before he gets into it, before he gets into the heavy issues, he sees the good in them. And he mentions it. 
he says it right here, and I think right here it's very sincere, but he sees the good in Philemon. In verse 4, we read that Paul was grateful to God. I thank my God. We don't glorify men. You know, we're grateful for that guy and that gal, but we're grateful to God for that guy and that gal, right? I thank my God, he says, uh, for you. Uh, Paul is grateful to God, grateful to God for Philemon, and grateful to God for Philemon's love and faith. Notice it says right here that this love and faith in verse 5, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And so, you know, isn't it cool when you have people like that in your life? You know, you're grateful to God for them, the way that they love the Lord, the way that they believe in the Lord, the way that they love the people of God. As Paul begins the letter, he just sees the good in them, and he expresses this thing. You know, the world is big on uh, appreciation, on ribbons, uh, stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't know, awards, certificates. Uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I know the other day as a chaplain, you know, they had the chief of police come in and, you know, our coordinator, and, and they gave us these awards for the hours of service and things like that. The world does that, huh? It's kind of their expression of appreciation. And, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's, it's probably good, you know, for us to do the same thing. Is there anyone in your life that you're grateful for? I love the way they love the Lord. I love the way they believe in God. I love the way that they treat people. Why not express that? Why not write a little letter? Why not tell them that? You know, I, I think we need encouragement. I think sometimes we go to the other extreme and we think, well, I don't want to make them all proudful. A lot of times that's not what they're struggling with. They're struggling with someone just to come alongside and give them a word of encouragement. I think Paul had that in his heart. When he would write the letters, you can see the good. Let me mention that. about Before we get into the heavy issues, how grateful I am to God for you, for your love, for your faith. Right here, he expresses appreciation. And he mentions the fact, look at verse 4, that, that he was always praying for Philemon. You know, he was always praying for him. Now, just in case you're wondering, when you pray for people, you know, it's not like a technicality where you have to mention them all by name. In John chapter 17, when Jesus prayed for his disciples, he didn't mention them all by name. But I think uh, there are those times where you, you can and maybe you should. I think that's what Paul says right here in the Greek language. It seems to say that I, I mention you when I pray. I, I remember you. I make mention of you always in my prayers. There are some people that God lays on our heart, and I think that's really the key. Who is God laying on your heart? Who is the Holy Spirit telling you to pray for? Who are you responsible to lift up before the throne? Here, for some reason, you know, Paul had Philemon, and he says, you know what? I'm always making mention of you in my prayers. I'm bringing you up before God one of the things that he was praying for is there in verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ. Paul prayed for Philemon, probably a lot of things, but right here he's, we read that he'd be able to share his faith effectively. 
to share his faith effectively, to spread the good news, to be used by God to find the lost and heal the hurting and mend the broken families, all the good things that come when someone comes to the Lord. And so you can pray for someone. I pray that you would share your faith effectively. Isn't that a really cool prayer? You know, because that's what we want. You know, the jet team goes out. They go out on a Saturday. And we've got a, you know, a team here that actually hits the streets to tell people about Jesus. And we should pray for them. We really should. I was talking to one of the guys that went out. And he's so excited. He is, he, he's always wanted to do this. To just to go out and tell people about Jesus. And he couldn't find a church that was really doing that. And finally he said, wow, this is so cool. You guys are doing that, and he's part of that. But we've got to pray for them. We've got to pray that they could share their faith effectively, because how will they be saved? How is that person over there or that person that's struggling? How are they going to get saved if no one shares? And how will they be saved if we do not share effectively? You might. When was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you really told someone the gospel, how to get to heaven? You know, I don't want to, you know, bum you out, but if it's been a while, what I encourage you to do, just just go out and tell somebody about Jesus before you go crazy, man. You know, D.L. Moody, he, he had a little rule in his heart, a little conviction. He said, every day I want to share Jesus with somebody, one person at least. And so he did it every day. No wonder God used him in such a tremendous way. And one day he had forgotten and he went to bed. He had his PJs on and everything. And then he remembered, oh, no, I haven't shared with somebody today. So he got out of bed. He put his uh, clothes back on. He went out in the street. He found the first guy. He said, do you know Jesus? I pray for you. I pray that you would not be engaged in the sin of silence. I pray that the devil would not make you quiet. Shout it from the rooftops. Share your faith. And I pray you would share it effectively. You know, right here, he kind of shares kind of how that might happen. Verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. How? By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Paul here seems to describe that at least part of the approach to evangelism is acknowledging every good thing that is in us. Now, of course, we know that in our flesh, in Manny, there's nothing good. So in me, there's nothing good. But do you know who lives in me? Jesus Christ lives in me. And I acknowledge Him and the work that He has done in me. And when that happens, man, it's so cool. You know, you can start sharing a lot of things. You share your, your testimony. Romans 7.18 says, Nothing good dwells in my flesh. So my evangelism is more effective when I simply share Christ and the way that Christ has blessed me and the things that Christ has done for me. I'm alive. I'm free. I'm not addicted to drugs anymore. I'm not bound in sexual sin anymore. I have a family that God has blessed me with. I have a ministry. God's provided for all my needs. I live and I enjoy love and peace. And, and you just acknowledge all the, the good things that God has done in us and through us. You know, it's kind of like the woman, remember in John chapter 4 at the well? You know, when the Lord just reached her heart, she went down to the village and she said, you know, come and meet a man that told me everything about me. 
You know, the testimonies, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26, Paul was sharing his testimony of what God had done in his life. And so he's just saying, you know, I pray you guys would share your faith effectively. How? By acknowledging all the good things in us. And to me, that's just Jesus and the work that he's done in my life. You see, God is good. And what we find is that this gospel is good. Paul appreciated Philemon. He prayed for him. He was so blessed by him. Uh, Notice again what we read in verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. And so the team there, they were just filled with joy as a result of the faithfulness of Philemon. They were consoled and encouraged. They were comforted by the faithfulness of this man. And all this just manifesting really the love that he had. You know, isn't it cool what we read right there? How he writes about how the hearts of the saints were refreshed by Philemon. Isn't that cool? How many of you here need to be refreshed? You know, you're growing pale, you're growing stale. How many, right? (laughs) You're cold and you're old and you're like, Lord, I need a new work. I need a... Uh, a, a refreshment, not a Coca-Cola, okay? <laughs> I need a refreshment of the Holy Spirit and God will bring somebody in your life. I love it. I love it. You know, and, and, I, and it's sad to say, but a lot of times it comes from new believers. It's like the new believers, the ones that are on fire, a lot of times they're the ones that refresh you, but it shouldn't be that way. Don't become the frozen chosen, Okay. You're like, but I like that movie. And I'm not talking about the movie Frozen, okay? (laughs) You know, as we grow older, our fire should grow stronger. And as we are, you know, Christians, we should always be like Philemon instruments who would refresh other people. Look at how good God is. You know, our, our, our walk should never grow old. You know, in Romans, uh, Paul is talking about going over there. He says that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul talking about these guys. He says, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. And so he says, acknowledge such men. You know, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you need to be refreshed. The Bible says in the book of Acts 3.19, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What you got to do is turn from your sins. Just be willing to let them go. You know, sometimes I talk to people and they say, Well, let me clean up my life and then I'll become a Christian. That'll never happen. You'll never be able to clean up your life. Only God can. And God is willing to take you just the way you are with all your scars and baggage and problems and addictions. And and you come to Christ and he'll set you free. Because life is crazy without Christ. You need to be refreshed. How? From the presence of the Lord. We read that there. You know, it's interesting. The same Greek word is used in Matthew 11, 28, where Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. See, it's not a religion. It's not a church. It's Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It's Jesus, the maker and maintainer of this world. Come to him. Today, if you don't know the Lord, he's calling you to come to him because he loves you 
so much. Philemon was a man where people, when they're going through hard times, he was like an oasis. And they would go and they would get refreshed by him. You see, in our section, we see Paul, he sees the good and he shares that about Philemon. But Paul was also a man who wants the good. And we read that in verse 8. He says again, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I love this man, Philemon. Don't know him? One day we'll meet him in heaven. It's going to be cool. He was, he was, he was good. Paul says, uh, you know, I, I see the good. But now Paul here wants the good. And he wants it for another man by the name of Onesimus. Okay, and now we begin to get into the heart of the letter. Paul begins with an expression of gratitude or appreciation And now he begins his appeal. The background to the letter, more than likely is this, that Onesimus was a slave. At one time, he was more than likely a slave of Philemon. But one day, he ran away. He ran away from his master, and he probably, you know, took some things with him. He was more than likely a thief and a runaway. Now, in those days, if you're a slave and you're a thief and a runaway, man, you're really in bad shape. You know, Paul right here shares the story about how he wants him to go back. And we're going to see how Paul wants the good for Onesimus. But you've got to, first of all, understand the background to this. It's kind of crazy. You know, Paul is saying, you know what, this guy Onesimus, uh, somehow their, their paths crossed. Um, Paul's in prison. This, this guy, you know, he gets saved through Paul's ministry while he's there. He's, that's what you call prison ministry, right? He's there. And, um, and then, you know, when it's all said and done, um, maybe Onesimus is ready to be released. And, and Paul's like, well, what should we do? Why don't you stay here and minister with me? Man, I would love for you to, to stay around here and minister to me. You can be used in this area. But then he says, wait a minute, you're a runaway slave. You're a runaway slave. You need, to go, you need to go back because that's the right thing to do. You see, when you become a Christian, you don't run away from your past. You have to face it. And so what does he do? He sends him back. But here's the thing. It's very, very dangerous. The moment that you become a runaway slave, you're right away put on the list. You're a wanted man. You know, because in those days, I know you guys know this, you know, especially in the Roman Empire, there were 60 million slaves. There were more slaves in the Roman Empire than there were free men. And now they always had this fear. They always thought, well, what if one day all the slaves rebelled? Man, we'd we'd be in trouble. So what did they do? They treated them like property. They made sure that they had them under their hard fists. Um, slaves were treated, you know, like animals. Um, we read stories. It's one, one story I read about this one slave who was carrying some uh, dishes and they, and they fell and they broke. And the owner was upset with that. And so he took him and he threw him into a pond where he was eaten by 
like piranhas, you know, type of thing. You know, I mean, that's the way it was. If you were a runaway slave, it was capital punishment and you would be crucified as a Roman slave caught in the act. So now Paul is telling him to go back, to go back and face what he had done. In one sense, it was a very dangerous thing. But what we find right here in this letter is Paul is now going to appeal for him. He says there in verse 8, you know, I, I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. You know, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Now, if you go back to verse 1, you'll notice that Paul didn't mention the fact that he was an apostle. He's not going to use his apostolic authority. What he wants to do is he wants us to be something that would be voluntary. Read in verse 8 that Paul could be bold and demanding, and there are other times where he was, but not here. He wants to you know, make a deal. He wants to make an appeal to Philemon that everything would be done gently and lovingly. And so what is he going to do? You guys, we're going to see he's going to stand in the gap for this guy. And he's going to do his best to share words without forcing him. He says, I'm Paul. I'm, an, I'm, I'm the aged. I'm an old guy, you know. And I, I think right there, the only reason he says that is because he's trying to get a little sympathy maybe. I don't know. I'm Paul the prisoner. You know, that's who I am. That's what he mentions right there. Prisoner of Jesus Christ, right? And, and, and you know, what we find is he says, and I want to appeal for you, appeal to you, verse 10, for my son Onesimus. See, I'm writing this letter for this guy Onesimus. His name means profitable or useful. And Paul informs Philemon that now it's not only his name, but we're going to see it's his nature. Because look at verse 12. He says, and I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul is saying, you know, when he comes... I got, I, got to, I got to tell you this. Look at verse 12. That is my own heart. I love this guy, Onesimus. You know, when he comes, one translation says, he comes, you know, with my own heart. He is my very heart. Paul says to him, I wanted to keep him, but not without your consent. He says, the reason why I don't want you to punish him, the reason I want you to receive him, number one, is because he's profitable. You know, before he wasn't. Before he didn't live up to his name. Now, he's a different man. So don't, you know, have him killed or crucified. I want you to know a little bit about this guy now. He's changed. He's different. Receive him. He's profitable. And number two, it's part of God's providence. Look at verse 15. For perhaps he deserted or departed for a while for this purpose. You know, sometimes we see things happen and, you know, they did that. And I can't believe, you know, they went off the edge like that. 
But it was in that very process that God saved him. And so when they come back to you, you might get upset. You might want to, you know, punish them. But he's just saying, but that's probably why this all happened. I'm not blaming that on God. I'm just saying it was all part of God's plan. As he sends Onesimus back, and you know, it's interesting. Some of these guys, they had a grip of slaves. You know, what kind of example is this going to be if I let this guy come in and I don't punish him? You know, there would be that temptation. But he's saying now, it's not, it's not about the justice. It's about the mercy. It's about the grace. When he comes back, I'm asking you to receive him. To receive him. Because all this is part of God's purpose. You see, Paul here, number one, he sees the good. Number two, he wants the good. And then number three, he does the good. Look at verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, <laughs> let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. See, Paul saw the good in in Philemon and he mentions that. Paul wants the good for Onesimus. And so he sends him back and he wants him to be received. But it's not, it doesn't end there. A lot, of time we, a lot of times we want the good for people, but we, we, don't, we don't follow through in what's necessary, and that is in doing the good for the people. And here's where it gets heavy. You know, because Paul sends him back, and he sends him back. In verse 12, watch, go back to verse 12. I am sending him back. You can't see it in the English language, but in the Greek language, He literally says, I'm referring his case back to you. It's almost like it's going now to your court, Philemon. I'm sending this case back to you, and I want you to make a decision. I'm referring this case of Onesimus to you that you may give a verdict on it that will match the love you ought to have. You know, back over here in verse, uh, let's see here. 17, if then you count me as a partner. Now you're like, what's a partner? Is he a you know, cowboy partner? What's that all about? The Greek word is the word koinonia, and it means to share together. And basically what he's talking about now is to have this in common, and this is really what's going on. Paul volunteered to become, in one sense, a business partner with Philemon and help him solve the problem with Onesimus. And there's where he says in verse 18, the, just the rubber meets the road. If he has wronged you, or owes anything, put that on my account. And that's where, you know, Paul's really stepping in now. I mean, like we said earlier, more than likely he stole from him. Not only that, he would be responsible for every day that this man was gone. And who knows how long he was gone. He had already served his sentence in jail. That was a monetary loss. It hit the pocketbook. But Paul said... If there's any price to be paid, I'll pay it. I'll stand in the gap for this guy. 
I will do good for this man. You see, and in looking at this right here, it kind of reminds me of the Good Samaritan. You guys remember that story when the Good Samaritan saw the Jewish man there lying on the road? He tends to his wounds. He puts him on his beast of burden. He takes him to the hotel and he pays the innkeeper and he says, you know, I got to go and do some business. I'll come back if there's anything else, you know, that, 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 that he owes, so I'll cover it. That's what Paul's doing right here. He's just standing in the gap in a real practical way. But, but more than reminding me of the Good Samaritan, who does it really remind you of? Of Jesus. This is, this is a beautiful story of Jesus. See, where Onesimus, you guys? Where Onesimus? Before we were Christians, we were slaves. We were slaves to sin. We were slaves. We deserve to be crucified. We deserve to be put to death. You know, Philemon is a picture of the Father, and Paul is a picture of Jesus Christ. Not only does he want good for us, he does good for us. So what do we owe? If he owes anything, put it on my account. We owed everything. We owed, you know, this debt that we couldn't pay. So he paid that debt for us on the cross of Calvary. You see, and it's just a beautiful picture of what Jesus is for us. It's a typology. You know, Paul here, it's so cool the way he intervenes. And, and when you see it as a, what, it, what it really is. You know, I was in, reading one commentary and they're saying, why, why is this letter preserved? More than likely, you know, how many of you here are good at writing letters? Is there anyone here that's good at writing letters? There's like three people. It's not good. <laughs> I do emails. All right. Well, you know, letter writing is good. Paul, um, he wrote letters. And more than likely, he wrote a lot of letters. But this one was preserved. And you, and you read it, and you're like, well, why? It doesn't really have, like, you know, church doctrine. There's not, like, an issue that he covered. And, and just in reading through the commentaries, the, the, the reason they said that it was preserved is because it's such a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. You know, this very personal letter to Philemon is preserved because it's a very powerful picture of Jesus. You know, he's our advocate. And one day when we go and we stand before the Father, he stands in the gap. He's the mediator. He wills and deals. And when we stand before the Father, the Father will receive us. Why? Because of what we read right here. Look at verse 12 again. I am sending him back to you, therefore receive him. That is my own heart. You know, the Lord, you know, loves us. And as he sends us, so to speak, before the Father, he says, uh, Father, here's, uh, here's Robert. I love him. He's like my own heart. Does that mean anything? Oh, yeah. That means a lot. You know, if my son sends a friend to me and says, Hey, Dad, this guy loves me. I love him. Oh, that means something to me. And that's what he's saying. Receive him because I love him as my own heart. It's just so cool. But that's not enough. You know, we're going to see it's not enough. God loves everybody, but not everybody's going to heaven, right? We find right here, look at verse 17. Here's where it gets even more, you know, detailed. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Uh Uh-huh. 
Receive him as, as my heart, someone I love. Receive him as you would me. You know, and that right there is the way that we will stand before the Father. When you stand before the Father, it's going to be so cool. You're going to be covered in the righteousness of Christ. Let me ask you a question. How do you think the Father will receive? How do you think the Father receives the Son? His Son. I mean, think about it. His Son, Jesus. How does the Father receive His Son? Oh, man. Can't even, I can't even begin to think about the love that he has for his son. That's you. That's you. The father will receive you as he receives Jesus. So cool. And then he says right there, so cool in verse 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him for how long? Forever. Forever. And no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. I mean, you know, when the, when the Lord comes in and he pays for our account and he goes before us and we have this picture of the way that we will stand before the Father Jesus is going to say, he's, he's one, he's my heart, I love him, Father, receive him as you would receive me. And Father, here it is, receive him forever. Forever as friend and family. You know, and isn't that cool, you guys? You know, one day we're going to be in heaven, and we won't have to worry like, well, what happens if I sin on the third day? It's not going to happen, because we won't have a sin nature anymore. And what God's going to do is God's going to take us to heaven And we're going to be there forever and ever and ever. Let me ask you a question. Have you received the Lord? He's also received you. And we see the way he's done that here. It's amazing grace, but it's not cheap grace. Again, notice there in verse 19. He says, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. And a lot of people believe that makes it even more uh, legal. It's a, like a, almost like a signature. I'm writing this whole thing, this business transaction. It's legal. I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. I'm sorry, verse 18. If he has wronged you or done anything, owes anything, put that, he says, on my account. And so we see that Jesus paid a debt he didn't know because we owed a debt. We couldn't pay. And so Paul here is a picture of Christ. And he appeals to Philemon. And he gives a few reasons for him to accept his deal. Number one, Onesimus is profitable now. Number two, God is provident. This is all part of God's plan. And then number three, Philemon was indebted to Paul. We read that there in verse 19. Remember, I'm the one that Lord used to bring you to Christ, right? And so... You know, he wants him to make this decision. Paul wanted to even experience more joy by Philemon making the right decision. Look real quick at verse um, 21. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. What do you think he meant by that? He's not just going to receive him, huh? What's he going to do? This is, a, this is like a riddle. What's he going to do? That's not a riddle. 
What's he going to do? He's going to set him free. Paul didn't ask for that. He didn't ask for that. He did tell him. He kind of hinted at it, huh? He hinted at it in the beginning. In the beginning, he's like, man, I wish he could stay with me, but I figured, no, I better send him back and receive him. You know, just receive him. Don't kill him. Don't crucify him. Receive him. Receive him as a family. Receive him as a friend. Receive him as Christ, right? But it's so cool. He says there, you know, but, but I, I trust and I'm confident that you're going to go above and beyond, that you will do even more than I say. And what is that right there? Undoubtedly, the love of Christ, the love of the Father, and that God would go above and beyond your wildest imagination and what he's going to do in your life. He says, you're going to do more. And, and, and what, what is he going to do? He's going to set him free. I, I really believe that's what happened. I don't think that you know, he hung on to him. Okay, you're my slave now and do this. No, you're profitable now. You're profitable for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle, man, you guys crossed paths. And it's so cool. We're going to see what the Lord did. We see the closing here in verse 22. He prefaced, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Epaphras, we know, some people believe that he started the church there in Colossae. And we know in the book of Colossians, he's mentioned as the individual that prays fervently for the church. So he's probably even carrying the letter. It's interesting, uh, Mark and Demas, these are guys that went in two different directions. Mark kind of went the wrong way, but then he came back. Demas was in the right way, but then he went bad. Remember, it says that he had forsaken Paul, loving this present world. So anyways, these guys who are fellow laborers, they say hi. And then there's that wonderful word right there in verse 25, the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Aren't you guys grateful for grace? Where would you be right now if God gave you what you deserve? It'd be pretty hot, huh? (laughs) We're in Cambodia, let me tell you, man. <laughs> but God's given you grace. God's given you heaven. God's given you life. And that more abundantly. And God gave this, this picture right here as a wonderful picture of grace. Why? Because not just Paul, but Christ sees the good. Christ wants the good. And Christ does the good. He died on the cross for all of our sins. So cool. And Onesimus is such a neat picture of what God will do in our life. William Barclay goes on and says this, Let us move on about 50 years from this letter. Ignatius, one of the great Christian martyrs, is being taken to execution from Antioch to Rome. As he goes, he writes letters, which still survive to the churches of Asia Minor. And he stops at Smyrna and he writes to the church at Ephesus. And in the first chapter of that letter, he has much to say about their wonderful bishop. And what is the bishop's name? Onesimus. Onesimus. And what does he say? He's profitable. He's profitable now. There was a time where he wasn't profitable. He he wasn't useful for ministry. He was just doing his own thing. He was going against the grain of the leadership of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But now he's been set free. Now he's profitable. And now he had become the bishop 
of Ephesus. You see, these are the stories that God wants to write with our own life. And even though I know we covered a lot here, I can't believe I did a whole book in, in one, one day. You know, um, I pray that you would go back and the Lord would minister to you things that you need to hear for your life, for you Christians, you know, that God would really light that fire. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, man, I pray you know how much God loves you and that you would surrender your life to the love and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us the way that you do, Lord, not in light of us, but in spite of us. And I pray, Father, that you would bless every person here, encourage them. Lord, I pray refresh them, Lord, in their relationship with you. Um, I know we walk by faith and not by feelings, Lord, but I do pray you touch us. I do pray you baptize us again with your Holy Spirit. And I do pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in every life here. And I pray especially, Lord, if there are any here today that don't know you, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. And just real quick, just in case, if you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ, you want to turn from your sins, and you want to trust Jesus, right where you're at, just want to raise, want you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray for you. Anyone here? Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Don't wait till tomorrow, because you know what? We might not have that day. Are you here today and you need Jesus? You want Jesus? I want to pray for you. If there's anyone, praise God for that hand that's gone up. Anyone else? Most important decision you'll ever make. The devil will want you to say no. But God wants you to say yes. Because he loves you so much. Do you know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Because if you don't know for sure, you want to make sure. And you want to take that step of faith. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for those hands that have gone up, Lord. As just uh, expressions, the stretching out their life, Lord, to you. I pray for them. I know it's a simple thing to raise a hand, Lord, but it means something when it comes from the heart. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would touch them, that you would fill them with your spirit, that today would be the day that they would pray to receive Christ and that they would turn from their sins and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. Your word promises. You say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. May many people call on the name of Jesus today. I pray in his name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.